Have you changed the way you talk on the phone after watching this? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm more formal, less casual. I'm like directly acknowledge the FBI agent I assume <laughs> is listening. <laughs> good evening to you, Alexi, and yes. good evening to whoever to is listening. To Agent Carter, I know you're yeah. out there. <laughs> Hello, I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. And I'm Jen Fricker. And welcome to The Big Film Buffet. A podcast for pop culture fans and people looking for what to watch recommendations. Today we're serving up our main course where we recommend you a Netflix film for you to watch this weekend. Then next Tuesday we'll give you a little snack of a pop culture subject we're obsessed with. And of all the films out this weekend, this is what you should spend your time on. We're talking about Operation Varsity Blues, the college admissions scandal. This season on the podcast, I'm of course joined by one of my dearest friends in the world, Jen Fricker. How are you, dude? I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to just start talking film with you. Mm. You and I always go off king about <laughs> when we talk film. We do always go off king about film. So it's nice <laughs> to be able to do it in like a kind of formal kind of format. It is only formal in that we are wearing tops, but no tails. No tails. No tails. I'm wearing a top hat, but I do not have a long jacket on. I'm just got a top hat and a smile. That's it. <laughs> but I do think that the movie we're talking about today, Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal, it's a documentary, something that you and I both get really interested in. So yeah, I think because anyone who likes documentaries probably generally loves how film is made or how storytelling happens or works. Absolutely. Mm. I do kind of think this is kind of like the perfect movie for us to kick things off with together. Why is that? Why do you think it's perfect for us? Well, I think partly... It's about this major scandal, scandalous events that happened not too long ago. The ramifications of it are still in the ether, Mm. but also offers like this nice refreshing take on like what the heck this admission scandal all was about. Yeah, Alexi, you and I are social media queens, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I love documentaries that kind of address that. Yes. Let's stop beating around the bush though. Let's talk about what this goddamn documentary is about. Yeah, let's dive into it. In America, we love the wealthy and we hate the wealthy. They disgust us and they fascinate us. This story was a perfect opportunity to see how rich people live and the realities of the system being exposed. And so there's something incredibly refreshing to have just a little bit of justice being served in, you know, a sea of injustice. So Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal, is exactly what it sounds like it's about. It's about the college admission scandal of 2019. Should we try and unpack what that even is? I mean, in a broad sense, basically a bunch of rich people in America tried to buy their kids' admissions into big American colleges. Because there were celebrities involved, it was huge in the headlines and stuff. It was all documented on social media. This film is also directed by... Chris Smith, who was the EP of Tiger King. Yeah, Chris Smith is actually one of my favourite documentarians. He's a bit of a hero for me because he's kind of started his career out making this really weird specific movie about outside art called American Movie about this independent filmmaker who is of that Tommy Wiseau vein of filmmaking, I would say. And he was making a movie called Coven about witches. 
I don't know why he didn't call it Coven, but he called it Coven, and it's always stuck with me my entire life. Coven 19. <laughs> and started working with Netflix in the last few years. He did one of my favorite movies called Jim and Andy, The yes. Great Beyond, about yes. Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman. And then he did the Fire Festival documentary. Yeah, the good one. He did the good one. And now he's got this. And it's kind of interesting seeing how his career has progressed now that he's in this Netflix era of like making movies more frequently that have a real sticky social currency to them. Like there's something so immediate about this film and his previous film, Fire Festival, mm. where he's just like making a film about something that is beyond belief that is happening right now and his films capture that immediacy i think also a thing that always pops up in chris smith films is that you know how every single american just seems media ready like they're ready to have their own reality show yes absolutely so different to australians because like if you just point a camera at any australian they're shy that's why we're on podcasts (laughs) (laughs) all of his films are really about just how Americans want themselves to be perceived and then the reality of how they are actually perceived. And that's why this is so interesting, especially social media content, YouTube and Instagram and things like that. I don't even want to give away too much. I really do feel like it's going to be one of those things like a Tiger King Mm. or that kind of stuff where it will be one of those documentaries that everyone will be watching and will be talking about. So I do think so because this story is basically a class story. This is a story about the rich really capitalizing on every ounce of privilege that they possess to give their children another leg up in life. And that's kind of what this whole thing really is about. But that's just one aspect of it. Then you get like these moments of making this a human story from that perspective as well where we're like well if you've got everything in the world to give your child a better life don't you feel a responsibility to do so to give your child a great shot at a big future and it kind of like plays with those ideas of well you know what's the right thing to do who is the victim in this whole scandal anyway yeah i mean i just love anything where rich people are clowning absolutely i think it's really important as well to kind of stress especially in australia we don't necessarily have the same type of class anxiety the way that the American college system kind of yeah. has that. For a lot of people in America, getting into a good college, they really do see it as like, yeah. this will be fundamentally life-changing. I can finally move out of my hometown. I can finally mm-hmm. meet people and all the people that I model myself on yeah. have gone to these universities, right? So there is such a desperation mm. to go to handfuls of universities. Yeah, the Ivy League. Rich people coming in on top of that. Mm. Some of them celebrities, some of them just like powerful private citizens. You do sometimes find yourself empathising with them, which I think, again, is what's so great about this documentary. I really do think we need to talk about the way this documentary is made. Oh, absolutely, because it is a fascinating take on how to tell a story like this that it feels like it's happening now. We've got Rick Singer, who is the person at the centre of this scandal. He is basically someone that gives these rich, wealthy people what he calls a side door into university. Yeah, he calls himself a college coach. Yeah, (laughs) he's a college coach. He'll coach your kid to definitely get into college because there's a backdoor, he says, which is basically making like a $20 million donation. And there's a side door, which is significantly less, making a donation directly to 
some sort of sports club, like sailing, rafting. They don't say badminton, but I bet badminton is a way to get in. Are you just maligning badminton? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the weirdest sports. What is it, a shuttlecock? I don't know. It doesn't even bounce. I've not thought five minutes about it in my entire life. <laughs> Whereas I've thought about yeah, badminton yeah. far too long. It was the only sport I played in high school, and that's the truth. The specificity of the scam is kind of what makes this whole story so insidious yeah. because he really has this side door notion and mm. it comes up a few times. It's really like he's paying off certain people. Yeah. He's chatting up some people and there is also this sense that because he's getting all these rich people to go along mm. with it, often their kids don't know that yep. they're doing this for them. The way that they talk about it mm. so openly and so brazenly really shows that they really don't think they're going to get caught or that fundamentally there's anything wrong with it. And the way that they bring that to the screen is through these recreations. Mm. And they are magnificently played. Like the great actor, character actor, Matthew Modine, plays Rick Singer. Yep. And Matthew Modine, he's like such a specific actor. He has such a specific energy because he has like this charisma, but he's also got this goofiness about him. To me, it's like genius casting to go like, this guy, let's get Matthew Modine to play him. Mm. And what these recreations are, it's not just like, well, we guess this is how it went. These recreations are captured from transcribed direct verbatim phone calls that the FBI monitored, recorded, transcribed, and were used as evidence. And so these actors are using like verbatim transcripts. A really good way to compare this film is like, consider the social network yep. written by Aaron Sorkin. All of the dialogue in that's really punchy, really snappy, mm. and there's kind of like an economy of language yes. in it. Yes, it's very theatrical in that kind of sense. Yeah, but also the way it's shot mm. is beautiful kind of sweeping grounds of Ivy League universities, yep. plus you know law firms and rich people on boats and yeah. things like that. So basically, this documentary is shot like The Social Network, mm-hmm. but the dialogue is just, it doesn't have any of that word economy. Yeah. It's like clumsy and, well, it's the way that people talk in real life. Yeah. People repeat themselves and stumble and stutter and go off topic mm-hmm. and it's not at all focused. It is like elevated reality yeah. in like the best way. In the best way because it's like an elevated presentation of reality. Yeah. I think that works so well. And there's one scene that you just brought to mind for me that I think is a great selling point for if you want to watch this movie, what it really is. There's a scene where Rick Singer, played by Matthew Modine, <laughs> is driving around London mm. calling this coach. They start talking about like how they're going to sneak a kid in through this side door and then... He's like, I'm lost. I don't know where I am in London. That's he's, he's driving, driving around. Yeah. They start complaining about driving on the wrong side of the road, overseas. And then they just start talking about chicks, basically. <laughs> so it's all about dating and dating life. And it cuts to the female FBI agent transcribing their conversation. Just looking like, what is wrong with these guys? Now I'm on the main street again. I tell you what, I'm glad I live in the US. <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad if you were in Sweden. Yeah, well, then I got to find myself a good Swedish girl then. All right. Well, next time I'm in Sweden, I'll take a look. Have you changed the way you talk on the phone after watching me? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm more formal, less casual. I'm like directly acknowledged the FBI agent, I assume, <laughs> is listening. <laughs> good evening to you, Alexi, and yes. good evening to whoever to is listening. Agent Carter, I know you're yeah. out there. <laughs> Agent Carter, don't put this down, okay? This yeah. is just us hanging out. Yeah, it's interesting because it's really covering something that's quite, in a way, really dry. Mm. The idea that you can make a film out of essentially just transcripts of people, yeah. real-life people talking, driving around the car, exactly. sitting on a bed, getting a coffee, whatever, 
like it's not necessarily the most cinematic material. Yeah. But the fact that he's made it so interesting. Yeah. This is definitely a documentary for everyone, really. Absolutely. And there's like quite a lot of heart to it. Without giving out too much away, mm. there's like an innocent character in this, mm. someone who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and really shows the stakes of it because I think sometimes as well it's very easy to be like, oh, this is a completely different dimension to the one I live in. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's got like that kind of voyeuristic quality to it where you're just like, oh, we are getting a little glimpse into the hills, basically, <laughs> the lifestyles of the rich and infamous oh infamous <laughs> you thought i was gonna say famous I but know. no i said infamous like christmas subverting the documentary genre you are subverting Oof. famous phrases absolutely you're the chris smith of podcast dude i've already <laughs> oh, said it yeah. i've always said it get him a pod get him on our pod Let's if get, anything get on the pod chris come on guest on our podcast chris we love your work and we love you as a guy <laughs> I think it's so fascinating because we're watching this almost as voyeurs away here in Australia because it's so different to like what our entry into college is like mm. or even university. Yeah. I never even used the word college in my regular life here. <laughs> but I think like that's what it's all about. It's like this sticky situation of capturing like the intricacies of all of that. Like it's so weird and so different. Yeah. I was trying to talk to my boyfriend about it because he came from a country town. I'm like, mm. did you ever have that anxiety about university mm. about like, I have to get into this university in order to be able to live my dream of X, Y, Z. Yeah. And he was like, it's more just like you want to get out of your hometown mm. and he's from Queensland. So like all the universities in Queensland are looked down by universities in mm. Victoria and New South Wales. And so it's like a very, very small scale thing yeah. whereas in America it's like there are heaps of colleges in America yeah. but there's like only like a handful of like the super elite ones yeah, and name recognition colleges exactly and they make this point in the film that there really are enough colleges in America for everyone who wants to apply to college mm. they're just not enough spots at these super super elite colleges yeah that prestige that just like rips off your diploma or whatever yeah so like it really kind of seems like is it the rich people who are mm. exploiting this are they the real villains of the piece or yeah. is it just that there's like such a horrific system in America mm. that exploits people's hopes and dreams for their children. Like, yeah. This is an interesting thing because I think the film captures it really well as like who is the villain here? Who is ripping off who? Who is the victim here? And it kind of makes you question all of those throughout in a way that I think is internally very satisfying and what makes this like a very satisfying watch. And another thing that makes it so satisfying that freaking wig on Matthew, Matthew Modine playing Rick Singer because you're watching this going like who's got hair like that mm. and then you see the real guy you're like oh okay I get it so I think it's like all of the shortest review of this is watch for the rich people scandal mm -hmm. stay for Modine's wig <laughs> it's an iconic piece worn by Matthew Modine <laughs> An iconic piece. An iconic film with an iconic piece. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as well, like, what we're kind of getting into is, like, there's a cinematic quality to this that is not unlike a thriller. It kind of captures, like, this interesting, like, legal complexity the way something like The Big Short would or The Social Network would in the same way those movies do where they're, like, gripping and thrilling and it explains things to you in a really elegant and simple way in mm. that it, like 
captures like the emotion behind them all. And it's interesting the way those emotions are captured because we do see the recreations of people. Then we have like these interviews with people, like talking head interviews. And then we also have like this sense of mixed media, which is just another thing I'm obsessive in documentaries when we've got like things captured from real footage from somewhere or videos found online. And Mm. this makes a great use of that in that it captures all these two camera videos and YouTube videos of young people that are like prospective university students talking about the scandal or even more emotionally finding out that they've been rejected from going to university from videos that they posted on social media. Mm. And I think that just like captures like the broad range about like what it feels because do you remember how like stressed you were like thinking about going to university when you're in high school? Yeah, I feel like when I was 17, everything really did feel like life or death, you know? If you didn't get the certain grade that you wanted or you didn't get into a certain place, there was so much pressure. And I really feel like that's also why this film has such a punch to it is Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, these are just like kids. Exactly. Who are just trying to figure out what's going to happen next to them. And it really made me think about, would my parents do that? Like... (laughs) Yeah, because they do capture that of going like, they've got it. Why shouldn't they use it? Are they Mm. a bad parent if they're not trying hard enough to like make their kid happy and like relieve that anxiety of trying to go to uni? Yeah. I don't know. My parents are still telling me to go back to uni. Can you come study with me? You'd be a mature age student with me. Oh my God. I reckon my mum 100% would doctor photos of me whitewater rafting (laughs) to get a backdoor into uni because I was so stressed like during the HSC. I still have nightmares of like sitting at that desk with a little pencil writing them down. Oh my God. Getting so stressed about it and going like, oh, I hope this helps me get into uni. And I'll tell you what, not even once have I used the results of those exams. Mm. I went to freaking art school where you just had to go I want to make movies and here's how I would do it yeah I still have that stress so you feel so much for these kids yeah I mean I studied film studies at Mm -hmm. uni and that's because I did not get into (laughs) what I wanted to do this is literally the first time since I left uni (laughs) 10 years ago that you're using those skills yeah 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 so (laughs) this is a write-off then this is a tax write-off hell yeah a lot of the conversations are wiretapped Mm -hmm. and some of the stuff they say about their own kids made me so anxious like wow, I really hope I never hear what my parents say about me. <laughs> I would hate it for like the opposite reason because in the movie they're like, okay, this one's the smart kid. They're going to catch on. How do we even trick the kid taking part of this like admission scheme? I would be so nervous to hear my mum wiretap because my mum, she has too much unconditional love for me. Like it overwhelms me. I think it's a Greek thing where it's not just like, oh, I love them. They're wonderful. It's like, I love them. I'm worried about you every freaking second of every single day. What a terrible problem to have. I know. She always like <laughs> explains to her friends like the wrong thing. She's like, oh, Alexi's working for Netflix. He's on Stranger Things. I'm like, what? No, that's not it. No, no, no. You and Matthew Modine. (laughs) He's working with Matthew Modine on Stranger Things. (laughs) I would be brutalized by people seeing my parents wipe up because they would never talk about me. Oh, my gosh. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I've got a younger brother. Do you think he would be the one? He would be. He's the baby boy. Oh, gosh. I'm the older sister. Like, as if they give a shit. Yeah. I moved out at 17. I was, like, done. You know what I mean? I might register like every now and again in relation to Max, my young brother. Mm. But they'd probably be like, Max is doing really well and his cat, <laughs> Henry, like, and the other one, I think I've heard from her from, a bit, I can't remember. Uh, the iconic Jen Fricker, Australian celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm bribing to get my future children into 
um, TAFE. (laughs) (laughs) I think that this movie has like a really interesting score that helps build like this thriller feeling. Yeah, I clocked it from the first go. The opening titles of the documentary are so reminiscent of Social Network. So then I was like... Is it just the Social Network soundtrack? And it's one half of the team who did it, Atticus Ross, who wrote the music, well, half mm. of the music for the Social Network. Half also, the music. They half split the music. down the middle. I forgot. To, yeah. Trent Reznor wrote every first note and Atticus <laughs> Ross wrote every second note. So it's all about the notes you're not hearing in this one. Exactly. Exactly. It's like jazz, baby. Exactly. I love that Like that's his niche. Mm. He's like, I love composing music for films about rich people being <laughs> despicable. <laughs> and it's going to be like those drones that somehow ratchet tension in a really yeah. interesting way. Yeah. It's a cool movie. I really enjoy documentaries that understand genre. They're like, okay, we're actually a sports movie. Okay, yeah. we're telling the truth, but we're actually a horror movie. And this one's just like, okay, this is a documentary, but actually you're watching a corporate thriller. Yes. And it's like so cool. That's what I love about, like, because you know sometimes documentaries can just be visually hard to watch, whereas this is just slick and really brings you into the world. Mm. There's a real sense of alienation from, like, the real world. I yeah. don't know, yeah. And especially, like, post-COVID mm. as well. I was wondering whether they actually shot this during COVID or not. Yeah, because it could have been done because, you know, it's mainly one person in a room on a phone call or a couple of people. It's pretty cool. I'm into this movie a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about this movie for a long time. And yeah, you will be too if you watch it. Absolutely. There's one detail I want to bring up because I think it's like such an effective documentary technique which is like those talking head interviews, which is in this film, like straight down the barrel. It's filmed using a device, which is like a camera called an Interotron, which is this really weird, interesting kind of jerry-rigged piece of technology that's basically a camera with a teleprompter attached to it. And so in effect, the person being interviewed is talking directly down a camera. But what they're seeing is a teleprompter with the director's face who's being filmed with another camera showing up on it. So it feels like they're talking to the director face-to-face, but behind that screen is actually the camera filming them. So that's how we see like their close-up being pointed directly at us at home. Yeah, like a really good example of like Chris Smith using this is that iconic fire festival documentary mm. interview with the guy that gets sent down to the <laughs> local police yeah and the admissions that he makes if you haven't watched it then watch if you it. haven't seen it the guy is basically desperate for a bottle of water yeah 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 and he will do anything to get a bottle of water <laughs> but because it's just so intimate mm. you can get people to pretty much like open up about anything exactly. it's so conversational again which brings you into the real heart and like guts of this story which is really like a lot of innocent kids a lot of innocent people get pulled into this scam so the movie is operation varsity blues it's a new documentary from chris smith it is out on netflix right now and we recommend that you watch it this weekend yeah i'd love to know what people think if they're as passionate about modine's wig as we are (laughs) (laughs) jen it's been so fun hanging out with you on the podcast thanks man i'm so glad we're going to be talking about movies week in week out 
henceforth. Heck yeah. And if you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to the Big Film Buffet on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice comment. Please leave us a nice comment. We're going to be back with you next Tuesday for our snack episode where we'll be unpacking something bizarre in the world of pop culture that we are obsessed with. And Alexi, this is something to do with Barbara Streisand and clones. <laughs> what a tasty little tease. You'll have to find out what that all is about next week. This episode was hosted by Alexi Toliopoulos and me, Jen Fricker. Produced by Michael Sun and Anu Hasbold. Edited by Jeffrey O'Connor. Executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Marnie.